I did classes eight hours a day for one week. So I couldn't even order some fish, you know. And then when I left, you know, I was telling the taxis where to go and do all that stuff. In one week? Yeah. Welcome to Jaguars Reporters, presented by TIAA Bank, with Brian Sexton, John Osher, Ashlyn Sullivan, and J.P. Shatner. Jaguars Reporters, presented by TIAA Bank, starts right now. Welcome to the Jaguars Reporters, and today is Monday, May 24th. J.P. Shadrick, Ashlyn Sullivan, John Osher, Brian Sexton, a busy time around Jaguars football as we begin organized team activities, Ashlyn. Here we go. It's for real this time. Last week was field work. Hold on. This is OTA. Hold on. For real? It's for real. I was told last week. It's all semantics. They they just keep changing the the names and the terms. It's... um, it's football practice in your underwear. Yeah, I don't right? think it's any different than last week. It's just got, it's a, just different got a different name. name. Right. Well, it's different in the sense that they can do a teamwork in seven-on-seven. Seven. So mm-hmm. uh, if the problem, of course, is there's not much that the media or us can report in terms of some of the things that fans want to know. In terms, I'm very curious to see how the defense is going to look in terms of the personnel groupings. Uh, that's not something that unless Urban Meyer discusses it, that will get out in great detail uh, until training camp. So, uh, but there'll be some seven and seven and uh, and a one-on-one work, which we didn't have last week. Here's a valid question: Will they wear shoes or sandals? There were two or three teams last week that wore sandals yeah, they on the practice sandals. field. No, no, no. This will not be one of them because they wanted to control the speed <laughs> of the practice sessions, which I had never heard of before. Uh, that's a way to do it. I don't think it's going to be the urban way. It will not be the jaguar. <laughs> No uh, owning the field. emblem. No, that's not how it's going to work here. But you but know what? It shouldn't be. I'll rant about yes. that later. Oh, yes, come go. on, John. Yes. Get it out but, of the way. Look, it's okay to run a little bit in the offseason. I, I just don't believe that these players come. You guys have been to OTAs before. You've been to offseasons before. Do you really believe that the players are being that taxed during that four-week period? No. I, I mean, and no. now you have heard reports and not people talking about too much contact during that. Um, I kind of get that. There did, you know, if you're doing one-on-one pass rush during that and no pads, that's a little much. But to be running this time of year, um, again, they're not going to training camp for six weeks or for eight weeks like they used to in the 60s. You've got to play football at some point. It's okay to do it unpadded in may aren't athletes yeah pound the table john athletes run that's what athletes are supposed to do so but they don't run 95 miles an hour in december at least that's what tom brady said okay. right yeah yeah but it is may different i, I, no, I it get is it. may i get it um there is near perfect attendance at least in phase two last week in a voluntary period only a couple guys were missing last week and you know, Ashwin, we were talking to a couple of guys after, what was that, Wednesday's practice. And there is an energy, there is a, a feeling out there that, you know what, we want to be in, in this environment. Mm-hmm. And the guys we talked to at least believed in Urban, believe in the message, and that's why a lot of these guys are here, it sounds like. Yeah, you look at all the leaders in, in the units and the groups, like the Shaq Griffins who want to be here, and a lot of these guys are new. But I think when you look at the team as a whole, a lot of times we say that you kind of have to be here or else you're forgotten about. I was going to say. And it's very, it's Frank, right. but the Ben Barches of the world, yep. they got to be here. The vast majority of players, not in this 
City alone, but in all NFL franchises, are guys who have to earn their roster spot. Mm -hmm. I mean, the vast majority. And we saw that with the last vote in the CBA, how those players came out to vote in favor of getting the deal done. Because they're the guys whose careers are three years or shorter, who make just over the league minimum on average. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of guys who want to be seen. I don't discount the energy. You got a guy like Shaq Griffin that you're talking about who wants to be here and wants to help create the culture He'd shift. He'd make the team if he wasn't here. Without a doubt. <laughs> but the vast majority of players are guys who, who need to be here, not yeah. just want to be here. Mm-hmm. And in the first year of a new regime, you know, it's like, hey, you guys ever had a job where you had a new boss? All of a sudden you started showing up on time the next and day. And wearing the same shirt as he does. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. So, so <laughs> there's a little bit of that element to it. But on the flip side of that and on the serious football side, I've been saying ever since this OTA uh, voluntary uh, controversy, if you call it that, cropped up again this offseason, for teams that have new things, new offensive coordinator, new head coach, new other, it's very important, and I think you see higher attendance. In Urban Meyer's third year, does, you know, throw out a name, uh, Brandon Linder, if he's on the roster at that point. Is Brandon Linder here? for full OTAs in the third year of a coaching staff? Does he even need to be? Is it even smart for him to be? It's a different question. But in a new situation with a new offense, if you're a wide receiver, I think you want to be here. And I, think it, and I don't think it's forced. I think it's just smart. You want to learn so you're ready in training camp. This is Jaguars Reporters. Check out the official Jaguars Podcast Network, a free subscription on Apple iTunes or Spotify. Of course, this program every Monday, the Huddle Up Pod on Wednesdays, the Ozone Podcast, Drive Time, Happy Hour, and give us that five-star rating. Let's get into big things this week. Brian Sexton, kick us off. I'm going to deal with the elephant in the room. Last night, I was at a wine tasting, and uh, someone wanted to start talking about the Jaguars, and I immediately turned the conversation to... Trevor Lawrence and the quarterback and the franchise, and I was shut down with Tebow mania. So <laughs> they signed him last week, and this is not about him, the tight end, or any of that, other than I am still amazed, and I've lived in this town for 27 years. So I saw him in high school and at the University of Florida and through the NFL and into baseball and through his national night out. Is that what that is that he does with the – uh, night, the to night, night to shine. Night to shine. Night to shine. Right. Yeah, okay. Right. Yep. I've seen it all. I mean, I've seen it all. And I, I'm still, I was amazed last night um, at Tebow Mania. It, he was the number one jersey sale one day last week. Uh, it's, it is a collective statement on behalf of people who love who he is and what he represents. Again, forget the football for a moment, that they responded so overwhelmingly. And I understand why. Urban Meyer and his PR team are soft-selling it and trying to just keep it under wraps because it can become all-consuming. Um, but there is a very vocal group of people who don't want to hear about Trevor Lawrence. They want to hear about Tim Tebow. Mm-hmm. Just going to say it. It's crazy, and I think that's the exact right way to handle it in this building is he is just a teammate. He is just a guy in the locker room trying to make the team. He's no different than a bent barge, and that's the way you have to treat it because – if you allow it to grow like it is outside this building, that's not what they brought him in here to do. So I completely agree with the way it's being handled, and I think it should be that way. Yeah, I think that's why we might not hear from him for a while, if at all, until you know a training camp rolls around, something like that. That might be a storyline that's closer to the season yeah. because you know this way you can control that storyline at mm-hmm. least internally right now. Mm-hmm. Anything that's out there publicly from the team on this is going to get blown up times a thousand, John. 
Yeah, and it's been a topic, obviously, for a couple weeks in the Ozone. And, and I continue to say, this is not a, you know, and I get a lot of naysayers say, well, this is a problem in the locker room. Um, I think the delineation point there is pretty clear. He's one of 90 right now. There, out of the 90 guys down there, there are there are 10 to 15 who, when we walk out in training camp, you'll be able to say pretty securely they won't be on the 53. And pretty quick into training camp, That's too. just the reality of the NFL. It doesn't mean they won't be someday. It's just we've all been to training camps where you pretty much know there's 12 or 13 guys who get cut who aren't a surprise. So the 90-man roster for NFL players is not something where they think, oh, this guy has to be a, quote, baller to be here. You're trying to work your way onto a team. Now, you better be able to contribute if you're on the 53. So to me, there's no problem in the locker room. If he proves he can contribute and he's helping the team win, there will be zero divisiveness over this. Now, if he can't play and he's on the team, that's a different issue. But I don't see that happening because for whatever – I've been getting many, many emails about, well, he's friends with Tim, so that's why he's here. Well, I'm sure when they see each other, hey, Tim, hey, Coach, how you doing? Good. Do you really think he's keeping him if he can't help the team? No. I mean, he's got Urban, a lot of Urban has got to win. <laughs> right. Is there, I mean, shake hands, hey, hey, we'll have a drink and not talk about the Heisman later, but you know, we got to go win games. So I'm just making the point. I don't think for a minute Urban Meyer's doing this, yes, because he knows Tim Tebow. But he wouldn't be, what he knows about Tim Tebow tells him he can, in some capacity, help him win or he wouldn't be doing it. Last thought on that, and that is is that the more outrage from outside, whether it's on social media or ESPN, who is it, Marcus Spears or you know, yep. whoever, uh, a, a Wally Agunlier, a name we haven't heard in forever, a former Bear and Dolphin pass rusher, was, uh, was pretty uh, vocal about it. The more outrage that's outside of this area, the more people come to his defense. It's a self-fulfilling media prophecy. It's a story without an end. It keeps going and going and going. So they're doing the smart thing. They're just trying to keep it from becoming anything at this point. John, I'll, let, I'll let you take this one. John. Wait a minute. Wally Goonley was outraged? <laughs> Apparently he was, yeah. Was my neighbor Bill outraged <laughs> too? I, uh, you know, I'm not, a, you know, I'm not, a, you know, I'm not a big social media guy, okay. but one of my sons showed it to me the other day and, and, and I, he goes, dad, who is this guy? And I went, well, it used to be a pretty good pass rusher, well, but it's been a long time. Oh. I, to be honest with you, I was just proud that I could still pronounce his name all these years later. That's awesome. Add him to the list. The guy who mowed my mom's lawn is not very He's upset. We got issues. Right, right, right. That's what it is. It Just like this. It could keep going. <laughs> At some point, you have to cut it off, and that's what the Jaguars have done. And we will cut this discussion off here and move <laughs> along in big things. Ashlyn Sullivan, what you got? Well, we mentioned that we spoke to Shaq Griffin and LaVisca Chanel and James Robinson last week. And after speaking with Shaq Griffin, that was the first time I got the chance to talk to him. And I was blown away. I mean, everything you hear about this guy is what a great leader he is. And I've been using the word electric a lot lately. Good adjective. That man is electric. Lots of energy on the field and off of it. And I left thinking, we kind of have forgotten about this guy. This splash free agency signing that's going to be a highly contributing piece to the cornerback room, and we don't talk enough about him. Right. I, I, I found it interesting in our conversation that uh, I never really thought about this. C.J. Henderson is most likely the only starter returning to that lineup in the secondary mm-hmm. next year on paper right now, right? Mm-hmm. 
well, who is the leadership of that secondary? Who are guys you can lean on that run the room, that get guys going? Well, it's a guy like him. And he said he took the entire defense out to a Brazilian steakhouse here in town mm-hmm. uh, to kind of get Controlled everybody together. There, yeah. Taco Tuesday, every Tuesday with the secondary guys and their families at his apartment right now, soon-to-be house. So, okay, he's, that's a good start. He can play, too, right? I mean, you paid him for three years, $40 million, 24 and a half guaranteed. He better be able to, to bring the heat on the field. It sounds like he can. So I like all of this, John. I think he's clearly the leader. That's clearly why they signed him, because they knew it would be a year of transition back there. Uh, I think C.J. is the only starter coming back, but I don't think he has qualified uh, himself on the field yet to be a leader. Mm-hmm. In this league, you have to make plays to be a leader. And so I think uh, Shaquille Griffin is definitely that guy. He fits that role. He comes from a place where they're used to winning. Uh, so all the boxes are checked in terms of uh, him being what you want. And uh, Schlin's lead into this is we don't talk enough about Shaq Griffin. We're fixing that now. Yeah, that was why it was That's my right. topic. You talk about the leadership back there. He, you know, they, they brought in his buddy, Rayshon Jenkins, from yeah. San Diego. And, mm-hmm. and the, you know, that wasn't by accident, I'm sure, to have two guys who know each other who have the same – because I was impressed when we talked to, to Jenkins back when they signed him, that he was very similar in his demeanor and approach to Griffin. So uh, assuming that these two guys can play off of one another, I think you step in with a much stronger secondary, both in the classroom and on the field. Let's move along on big things this week. I'll go next. And we, we touched on this in our first point just a moment ago, but don't let the noise – around the Jaguars distract you from the fact that Trevor Lawrence is the most important story. John, you've made this point before, and and over the last few weeks, whenever things have come up, whatever. Yeah, but Trevor Lawrence. Right. You know, that's the answer to to pretty much everything. Um, You know, there's a lot of Urban Meyer did this out of the national media right now. Urban Meyer did that. ETN's playing wide receiver. It's Tebow time. There's changes in the coaching staff. How's it going in Jacksonville? Well, the answer every time how it's going is Trevor Lawrence is on the team. He still has to go put in the work and earn the respect of his teammates and coaches, which we all think he will, but when he does, look out. Trevor Lawrence is on the football team. That's the answer. That's how it's going. I want to weigh in with this quick thought. He's the most important story, I think, that has happened to this franchise, if not one of the two or three most important ever, he's right near the very top. Yes, this is the biggest story that's happened to the Jaguars, and I've been here since the beginning. You have too, John. Um, what he means to this franchise is, well, we could take the whole podcast, yeah, and that, sure. that plays to your point, yeah. which is it's not just a big story, it's the biggest story. And I think the reason that there's going to not be a whole lot of discussion around him is uh, within the Tebow framework, I get questions all the time. Well, this is taking away from what people ought to be talking about, and that's Trevor Lawrence. Well, who cares what people ought to be talking about in May? Does that really matter? I mean, Urban Meyer is not sitting down there going, okay, what's the narrative going to be on May 9th? So that's what I need to do because John's going to have to answer 13 questions. I mean, but it gets that grain there when people are talking about this as a debate because Tebow is so polarizing. But the reason that we're not going to talk about Trevor very much, maybe even in OTAs, maybe not in minicamp, maybe not until, you know, and perhaps not even until we see preseason games, we already assume what he is. 
We assume he's good. There's not much mystery until he's good. The talking points are going to be once we start seeing him on the field to comparing him to what we thought he was going to be. Right now we can talk about the hair, which is beautiful, Shine, by the way. Um, and it until he throws a pass in a game, there's not much narrative to go against what we already think. So I don't think we're going to talk about it a whole lot, but isn't it wonderful he's there? Yes, it yeah. is. And it's, we've also known about it since November, December. We've known for so long that this was happening. It's almost like we prepared ourselves, and when we see him, it's not really a surprise. We had the nugget about mm-hmm. the play calling in the home, and you're like, okay, that's an adjustment. <laughs> that was one day. Now what? You, know, well, you just know. I get a lot of questions from Ozone readers about why don't they talk about Trevor more on ESPN? Well, I have no idea. I don't work for ESPN, but that's, <laughs> you know, it makes people angry. We don't hear about Trevor on ESPN. We hear more about Zach Wilson. Well, it's because people nationally don't know how Zach Wilson's going to look. They don't know how you discuss Mac Jones more. Exactly right. Because you have no idea what he's really going to be. Mm-hmm. The assumption nationally is that this kid's going to be great from day one. I mean, now, I don't know if that's true, but that's sort of the assumption is well, we don't have to worry about that. That's good. So I don't think you're going to hear very much about him until probably training camp when people start coming in and seeing how he's actually doing. There has never been a player in Jaguars history about whom you could say that, that everyone just assumes he's ready to go. People didn't even think Fred Taylor, right? They didn't, and they worried about Tony Baselli's knee and how long it would hold up early in his career. This is the only guy who's ever walked in the doors where people go, yeah, we know what he is. Yep, he's going to be the star. Him and Smangy. <laughs> I love Joel. I love Joel. Oh, what a great guy. And when he arrived, you're like, where did he come from? Our final big thing for this podcast today is John Osher. Well, and and people hear this and think, John, this isn't a big thing. This is a small thing, and that's the whole point. <laughs> no one will talk about James Robinson all off season, but he'll be a huge story in September. And I started thinking about this when I was talking to him on the field the other day. And He's just it, – it was the first time I had met him because everything was oh, virtual last right. year. Yeah, that's strange. And he's exactly what you thought. He, he was quiet, uh, did the interview fine, uh, couldn't wait to leave because it was an interview and it's not really his thing. <laughs> um, but I don't get very many questions about James Robinson. We don't talk about James Robinson a whole lot. And then when they drafted ETN, everybody thought, oh, you, you know, pushing him out the door, what, uh, whatever all that was. Well – I think I think the role that ETN is going to play shows you James Robinson's going to matter. And to me, he's a fascinating story next year of how will he fit into this offense? How are they going to use him? Um, he's not really the explosive running back that ETN and some guys are, but he's incredibly reliable. So I, I think for Urban and the coaches, it's, it, it's going to be interesting as they see what he is and what they can get out of him to see how he's used. 4.5 yards per carry will always find a roster mm-hmm. spot mm-hmm. and a place on pretty much any NFL team. And as you said, John, the way he plays, too, he, I think his longest run was like 38 yards last year. Right. He rarely lost yardage either. I mean, he's always fighting back to the, the line of scrimmage. He's yeah. falling forward. But four and a half yards a carry will play. Well, keep in mind also that when – when he was on the field, he was the focus of the defense. They didn't yeah. worry about shutting down the Jaguars' vaunted passing attack, right? I mean, yeah. they knew, especially with all the fluctuation and changes at quarterback, it, 
They didn't worry about a tight end on this roster. They worried about James Robinson, and he still was a 1,000-yard rusher. Still averaged 4.5 yards per carry. It was kind of like Maurice Jones-Drew in 2011 Mm -hmm. when he led the league in rushing with the worst passing attack in football. That had happened since the 50s with the San Francisco 49ers. It doesn't happen often that a guy with everybody's focus on him can succeed like that. And James Robinson proved a ton last year. Just most people overlooked it because you're one in fifteen. Right. And that's what makes you feel optimistic about him and this offensive line. If you were able to do that last year and now you have Trevor Lawrence behind and it just makes you think what can James Robinson do this year now with not all the focus on him, you only think he'll improve now. This is Jaguars Reporters and single game tickets are on sale now for the twenty twenty one Jaguars season. Visit Jaguars.com or call nine oh four six three three two thousand. There's a team of representatives ready to help you get back in the bank in 2021. Time now for Did You Hear This? Senior writer John Osher visiting with Marvin Jones on the Ozone podcast in Espanol. Give me a short uh, impression of Jacksonville, but do it in Espanol. (laughs) (laughs) In in Espanol, dale. Okay, Um, Jacksonville. Uh, Jacksonville is es, es una ciudad uh, diferente, diferente. Um, um, ahorita yo vivo en, en Miami, um, and es uh, diferente, muy diferente. Pero, pero um, la gente, la gente son, you know, muy amable y um, me gusta, me encanta las las playas también. So, sí, me gusta, me encanta. I'm gonna give you a hint. My four years of high school Spanish did nothing for me. Right <laughs> so. And and that's not just because it was 30 years ago. But yeah. uh, tell me about that. You obviously didn't grow up speaking Spanish. This is something that you have learned over time. Why the passion? Um, I had a. Oh, I was about to start speaking Spanish. Okay. The uh, <laughs> the the, the, the passion. Um, well, I, I I grew up. You know, I grew up in, in the LA area. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I grew up around like Latinos. But um, I think it was. Um, I went to Costa Rica with uh with my wife and and her family and um I was you know trying to communicate with the people and I like I like to talk I like to, I'm a social you know I like to, I like to socialize and stuff like that and um you know when I was over there I couldn't talk to, I couldn't speak to anybody I couldn't really understand I thought I knew a little bit but um I couldn't understand them so I was like Jasmine I got I woke up in the middle of the night I was like I got to go to Spain you know just cuz I thought you know I didn't I thought that everybody spoke the same Spanish but okay. you know when I went there they speak uh, something called uh, you know a Spanish called Castellano and so they it's a little bit different um uh accent and stuff like that but I mean Spanish is Spanish you know so I went over there um I did uh I did classes uh, 8 hours a day uh, for one week so I was over there alone for one week uh, when I first went there, I couldn't even order uh, uh, some fish, you know. And then when I left, you know, I was telling the taxis where to go and do all that stuff. So in one week, yeah. Fantastic. So yeah. So because I, I put in, I put in a lot of hours, you know. So when I got back, it was 2017, and during that whole season, uh, I took classes. Um, I took classes online, and I hired two Spanish teachers, um, and I took classes Monday through Friday. So um, I did that for the whole season. And then after that, I didn't take classes anymore. I just I just traveled, you gotcha. know, and met people and 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 talk and talked with the you know with the with the the locals and, and stuff like that. So that's kind of all I do. All I do now. Well, of course, this is just part of a nice conversation on the Ozone podcast, John, with with Marvin Jones. And I think you could talk to him 
you know, for multiple podcasts or one really long one and, and not get to the end of his story. He's, he's a multi-layered and, and, you know, very experienced mm-hmm. person, not just a football player. Yeah, he, he's terrific. I expect him to be terrific. Uh, I asked him to give an answer in Spanish, and he was able to. And then he said he sort of got – it was interesting. He said he sort of got stuck in that and started to answer the next one in Spanish just because that's the way his mind works when he does it. I can barely speak English, so to speak two languages is uh, sort of beyond my uh, thought. But he's a fascinating guy, and he's one that you hope for a lot of the media's sake. Um, and for the fans' sake, it would it, you're hoping this year that COVID breaks enough where the media can have access to the players for a couple of days on Wednesday and Thursday. And for fans who don't know how important that is to the story of the team, it's difficult when everything's virtual. There are interviews and people you can get to know virtually. Head coach, a couple of star players. But the it's difficult for the media to tell the story of a guy like Marvin Jones, who, who's not necessarily a quarterback. Unless they have him on the virtual Zoom, you don't get to know this guy. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stories in the locker room like that that you missed last year because you only put a – a couple of guys in the Zooms a week just because of uh, of the logistics of the situation. So when I was talking to him and after I talked to him, that was my first thought. Boy, at least for a couple of days a week, let us get back in and get to know some of these guys. And, and I just to play on that for a second, you can't get to know someone without being able to look them in the eye. And when, and when they're looking at a screen of lots of people Mm -hmm. they're they're moving all over the place it's that trust that builds in a relationship between a reporter and the player hey i'm going to ask you a question if you tell me this is off the record i don't you know i'm going to respect that they know they can trust you when they can look you in the eye and go ashlyn you you know i trust you from what you said last time or what you wrote last time it's important that those guys can answer questions based on a level of trust and you just can't build that looking into someone's eyes on a screen Mm -hmm. I also I think it's so cool to see the relationships in the locker room. And I think you find out so much about a player when you talk to his teammates and you talk to his the other wide receivers and the buddies on the team. That's almost my favorite thing of, of going around and just asking, hey, what do you think of Marvin Jones? And getting the answers from the guys in the room. That's for sure something I miss. But circling back to Marvin, we talked a lot, you know, um, a fantastic guy, as fascinating a guy off the field as he is on the field. So it's going to be cool. Check out the Ozone Podcast and the official Jaguars Podcast Network. Time now for Everyone Asks. And this is the portion of the podcast where, yes, we all ask a question, and yes, most of us answer it. Are we supposed to answer it in 30 seconds? Are we going back to that rule now? We should, yes. That's what made it fun. Get the buzzer out, Joe. John, uh, you will ask the first question, please, sir. What answer do you want to know when OTAs end, JP? What do you want to know about this team? Uh, I want to know where they need to do more work on the roster. You'll see who will be able to run in the next three weeks or four weeks, who can retain the basic scheme. If you can't do that, you better find somebody else who can. I think tight end is the most pressing position because we just don't know a lot about that group yet, but... You know, defensive backs, linebackers, can they? It's a new scheme there, too. I think that's the answer I want to know. What else do you need to do in terms of building the roster? Yeah, it's back. Pretty good. 30 seconds, right? (laughs) 
Ashlyn, what do you want to know? I want to know who is going to prevail at defensive end. We all know Josh Allen, but I think we can look at Caleb on Chase on and say there's some work to do there. There's some strides he needs to make. I'm excited to see Jihad Ward on the field. That's a very intense guy. I think there's a bit of a competition there. You also have Roy Robertson Harris, Jordan Smith, a lot of questions around him. I'm excited to see who is coming neck and neck with Josh Allen and taking that second role. I want to know when training camp opens. <laughs> no, seriously, I mean, so many. Can, can the Jaguars stop the run this year, right? Have, have all those things, all those pieces that they've put in place and scheme that they've worked on, have they come to any sort of fruition? Well, we won't know. So tell me when training camp opens and I'll be ready to go. Yeah, and I want to know a few things. Again, like I said at the top of the show, that we won't be able to say as much as we'd like. I want to sort of know how this offense is going to look. Uh, some of the things they're going to be doing. I think we'll be limited in what we can share with that. Uh, sort of who's going to play where up front defensively is intriguing. But I think one thing we will get a feel for, does Tebow look like he can do it? You know, Does he look like he can move at that position? I think you will be able to get a feel for that without pads if he sort of has a feel for how to play tight end. Uh, we'll see. Our next question, I'll take the next one. If – we cut the team today, which we won't. But if we did, who are the five or six receivers that you're keeping, Ashlyn? Ugh, this is hard. The four are no-brainers. DJ Chark, Colin Johnson, Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chanel, of course. If you go five, Philip Dorsett, but you really haven't seen much of him. He's an explosive guy. Jamal Agnew, and then you have Jalen Camp. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of options there. That's going to be a fight, even if you keep six. I think it's a fight. I, I would go with Philip Dorsett right now just because of the free agency signing and the emphasis on speed, but that's going to be a good competition in training camp. Right? Uh, I think Dorsett, you know, they paid him. He's going to make it. Uh, and Agnew's a guy that they want for special teams, so I, I think he's going to make it as well. I think you go six. So Jalen Camp's the odd man out. Yes. Or practice, practice squad, squad guy. Yeah. I mean, he's total developmental, right? Coming from Georgia Tech where mm-hmm. they play that, um, you know, that uh, they run option game so I yeah I would think he's a perfect candidate well you sort of play I think sometimes when we talk about roster positions we get very caught in specifics and numbers I think those seven guys we talked about will be around Agnew will will be on the team do they consider him a wide receiver pure wide receiver or do they keep him as a returner and sort of justify that with having seven around that around that spot do you move camp up or down, that sort of thing? So I think all seven of those guys will be around, whether they're on the final roster and some, you know how they work the roster will be. <laughs> Thank you, John, for the That's answer. That's enough out of you. Ashlyn, <laughs> you're up next. What you got for us? All right, similar question, different position. How many tight ends are you keeping on the roster? Who makes it based off what we know right now? Brian. Um... Uh, uh, <laughs> three, th- uh, three. Well said. Uh, th- three, right? And 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 people want to know. I mean, so is Tebow going to make it or not? And I think he does as a uh, as an H back kind of guy. The one role I think you can really carve for him is short yardage. When he was with the Broncos and when he was at Florida, he was a guy who could find the line. Right? He could find the end line. Uh, put two hundred fifty pounds into it and go. I mean, I think. I mean, I think he could be a guy on third down to get your first down. and So, yeah, I think he, I think he makes it as an H-back. All right. John? Uh, Manhurts, Farrell, uh, 
O'Shaughnessy and Ellison. And Tim doesn't make it. Well, H back. Yeah. Again, we're talking rosters, semantics. Yeah. yeah so uh, fullback H back. I think it'll be a coin Whatever. toss. I think I think it's got to see if it'll work. Uh, so H back. To, you know, yeah, four or five. Yeah, I'm at Farrell, Manhurts, no particular order here. O'Shaughnessy, because he is the most experienced pass catcher of the group, mm-hmm. believe it or not. And then whoever stands out from the rest right. of the guys. And it may not be on the roster right now. Yeah, remember, this, practice squad is so, is so different than it used to be. That's right. You can, you can keep guys there. who've been in the league for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can play with that spot. And Ellison would seem like a guy back and forth off the roster sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Could work. So. I, and then maybe they, they, they could make a move in camp, too, to yeah. go find a guy. Anybody mentioned Tyler Davis? Yeah, I mean, draft were, pick last yeah. year, but yep. faced a bunch of injuries last year. So, yeah, that's a guy. I think him and Ellison are kind of neck and neck yeah. there, even though Ellison got some playing time last year. We haven't done OTA number one yet. We're, that's okay. That's the nature we're of these questions. We're breaking it down. It's me. We're, we're just talking through it. Brian, bring us uh, home. So, you know, we're talking about OTAs, and, and I'm excited about it for Wednesday. But how long will it take till we're bored with it? Because as you mentioned, John, I mean, if the coach doesn't talk about it, it's not something we're going to report a lot on. And you can't really see what the line's going to look. I mean, you can see where people line up, but you can't really see what they're going to be able to do. OTAs every year. It's football's back. And then you go out there, it's like, yeah, when does training camp start? How long will it take you before you are over OTAs? What time is it now? <laughs> right. <laughs> I knew you were going to come first and strong with that one, John. No, and... and I joke about it, but first-year OTAs are not are not tedious. A third and fourth year of a coach, they can be very tedious because you already sort of know what everybody's going to say. These won't be because I think Urban's going to talk most weeks. Uh, he, hearing what he says about the team remains fascinating. And then for us, uh, watching it and figuring it out. Now, the information we give out because of some of the things we can or can't say Maybe frustrating, but I think there will be things to learn about this bunch. So I, I'm not sure I'll be bored. Wow. That, that is a little bored. Come oh on. my gosh! If you're not bored, everyone else is fired up to be there. Then absolutely. <laughs> For me, uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. We're only out there once a week. That's very nice. Jake. You say absinthe? Or yeah, well, absinthe. Well, that's another <laughs> part of the equation too. The you know, we're only out there once a week. I mean, not out right. there ten times. So. You get limited time, you you kind of want to see a little bit more. And you're not daily over and over again seeing the same drill Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, right? So it's just once a week. So not as long as before until we all get bored with it, but um, I think probably week three we'll get <laughs> bored with it. I really miss the buzzer. It's a really <laughs> no, nice No, it's touch. annoying, isn't it? It's a great touch. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> I'm a herb. You guys can call me a nerd, a herb, whatever you want to call me. I love it out there. Okay. I think it's awesome. Every minute of it. I'm there in my visor and my big water bottle of my notes, and it's just the greatest thing ever. The end. And to clarify, I do, <laughs> I do think it's cool. There's no question. Oh, there's no doubt. The, uh, the time that it gets tedious is when you're on a third-year head coach, and there's not a whole lot of new that they're saying. To figure out what they're doing, these four weeks will be fascinating. And yes, absence does make, make the heart grow, grow fonder. You were not wrong about that. Check out the official Jaguars Podcast Network, a free subscription on Apple iTunes or Spotify, but you probably know that by now because you're listening to Jaguars Reporters. That'll do it for this week. John Osher, Ashton Sullivan, Brian Sexton, I'm J.P. Shadrick. And we'll catch you next time on Jaguars Reporters. <laughs>